Hey everybody, happy Friday. Welcome back to Go Live. I hope everyone is good and safe and healthy during this crazy times, January 29th, 2021. We got a couple of pandem pandemics going on. Yes, that's with an S, plural. Uh, we cannot solve one of them right now, COVID, but we can solve the other one, the pandemic of myths. Toxic myths, and joining me today to squash some of those myths, my good fellow teammates and good friend Tushar. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Glad to get down to this, man. So oh, many people, so many people fall for these myths. It's and they've insane. been around for such a long time. I wonder how, you know, such toxic, false myths have just perpetuated. I, I think I know. I, my hypothesis is fear and misunderstanding, to be generous, mm -hmm. um, ego, or just pure lack of information, to be honest or factual. <laughs> but um, you know, the the subtopic subtopic of today is you know, look, the myths that will ruin your chances at college, the numbers that cause ninety nine percent of the stress but don't actually matter. So, you know, today, today's episode, if you will, of Mythbusters are going to be focused around the numbers that don't actually matter, but we hear students do or, or worry about and parents worry about all the time. And it hurts my heart to know that they're still out there. So let's get to it. Myth number one, um, you know, taking weighted courses like honors and APs make you look good for college. I'm sure everyone's heard of that. Um, to sure. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I almost feel like we should have put this one at the end, just be like best for last, because this has got to be probably the biggest one that everybody falls into. I think, look, it's nuanced in its understanding. I think people misinterpret what the universities are looking for. Um, they're looking for you to challenge yourself, you know, in the area that you're interested in and prove that, you know, that's something that you want to pursue down the line. And I think, you know, over the years, that's as count competition has risen, it's like, oh, well, why don't I just add something, you know, in, you know, social science, even though I'm going to be a CS major. And it's like, well, that's not really helpful. Like, you're not going to get much out of that. And now everybody feels like they have to do that. And so mm. you know, imagine taking, you know, six, seven AP classes, junior and senior year with everything else that's going on in your life, trying to stay afloat. It's going to stress you out a little, I would say. <laughs> and in an unnecessary way, you brought up a couple of good points, so let's let's kind of stew on those. So the myth we're talking about is, you know, taking APs make you look good or taking honors makes you look good. And first and foremost, it's a myth because the actuality is taking APs and getting A's make you look good. Not taking APs makes you look good. And, asso and a, a, another associated sub-myth to this is, oh, Getting a B in an honors class is like getting an A in a regular class. That's an absolute joke. Okay, anybody who's ever worked in admissions will tell you that's a joke, because literally, I think anybody in admissions will probably laugh at that and say, "Ha, huh, that person fell into that trap. That's too bad for them." Because, to your point, it's important that you challenge yourself in areas of interest. But there's also another quote I want you to remember, guys. Whoever's watching this is challenge, challenge, but don't over challenge challenge but don't over challenge you know it's january 29th i know a lot of people are thinking about course selection for next year right thinking about how many ap's we want to take do i want to take a push do i want to take ap psych oh 
should I take AP Bio and AP CSA at the same time? Because I'm interested in biotech, and so maybe I should just take both. Guys, two simple rules of thumb to save your life. Number one, please take only the classes you know, K-N-O-W, know you're going to get an A in, okay? And number two, take only the weighted classes that you're genuinely interested in. And I've been counseling students for the past, like, 12 plus years of my life, any student who has ever broken either of those two rules has suffered the consequences and uh, AKA really struggled in that class and other classes because everything starts tanking. Um, but this is a toxic one. So, you know, challenge yourself, but don't over challenge yourself. So whether that's one honors or weighted course or three AP courses, right? I generally don't recommend going over four because that robs you of your time of other stuff that actually helps more than your numbers to get into colleges like Stanford, MIT, Caltech, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's the way I see this. Don't fall for this trap, guys. Take as many weighted courses as you can get A's. That's my final thought on that. Tushar, do you have any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think what you said near the end where it really takes away from the time to do other activities, that's so important because I think people also fail to realize that, you know, there's a threshold. And once you're past the threshold, it's significantly about diminishing returns. You know, the diff we talk about the SAT so much, right? Where, you know, 1500, 1600, the difference between those is significantly different between a 1400 and a 1500, right? You know, you, you start proving less and less as you increase your score. It's the same here, you know, taking 10 APs versus 12, basically no difference, but it'll make a difference to you and the amount of time that you have. It could save, you know, hours a week that you're going to be able to do, um, you know, a, a project that you're interested in, you know, continue with your sports, um, you know, go ahead and volunteer in that one thing that you really, really care about. Right. So I think that's the big thing is the amount of time it saves you and that you can go back and reinvest into other parts of your life that will automatically just make you look better for college. But even just forgetting about that, just give you a bell, more well-balanced well and well-rounded life. So let's see, pop quiz for you, Tushar. Um, average number of APs per year for you uh, starting junior year and going to senior. Oh, so man. What was the average per year for you? I'm curious, what was it? It was six. Per so, year? Yeah, I was, I have to be honest, I definitely fell into this trap. Mm -hmm. um, it really, you know, that was the way to go. And I didn't have your guidance back then. So I definitely wouldn't have done that if I did. Um, but I think, you know, that I really learned a lot, you know, the hard way from that, because as soon as you get into college, and you read up on, you know, what carries over, you're like, what, only one, literally one or two APs carry over. So what were the other 10 about? And what were the other six about that? I didn't even care. You know, literally, it's like, oh, my God, that's and by carried over. You mean like covered the prerequisite for GD right. coursework, right? So so, you know, you were thinking, OK, going to this, I got fours or fives on most of these things. So I'm going to be done with like 10 to 12 classes automatically. Right. That's yeah, what that's thinking? what I thought. And yeah. only two counted. Only two counted. It was it was quite it was quite interesting. Maybe yeah. we'll have a separate go live podcast just to explain exactly how that works because that I'm right. sure that'll take us like a whole half hour just to talk about or the intricacies of that. But yeah, in case you guys are listening, tune in later for that. And if you haven't already, obviously like and subscribe to the channel just to check out. You know, stay posted on the new content that we're posting all the time. But 
That is a good one. Let's move on to the next myth before we get too carried away here. Um, in fact, let me just kind of do a final plug on that first one. I think the optimal count for a student who's going for, let's say, you know, UCLA, Berkeley, Harvard, Stanford, I'm going to say is four, three to four. Yeah. And I say that because that usually gives you a good amount of academic challenge, but also affords you just enough time to build your profile in other other categories that are non-numeric in nature, um, like leadership and service and curiosity and stuff like that. So yeah, six is overkill. Anybody yeah. is doing that. And that's a good segue to myth number two. Let me read it out loud. It's important to self-study for and take AP exams outside of what's offered so that it makes you look good compared to your peers, right? So important to self-study for APs. I'm just gonna say it guys, this is my biggest pet peeve. I've been doing college counseling and mentorship for the past 12 years. And it's like, anytime I hear a student or parent utter these words, self-study or AP, I literally get two things at the same time, a brain aneurysm and a heart attack. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. that's probably what my student is going to get down the road. <laughs> so man, um, this one really hurts because I think it's the probably the one of the most toxic myths because now parents think, okay, in addition to the five or six APs that my student is already taking, I need to get my students to take some additional APs self-studied, right? And so now a student's thinking, okay, I can load up on eight, you know, eight APs in one year. And oh man. I just have to break it to everybody here is watching. Okay, in college, generally speaking, the average number of courses a college student takes, right? Because that's what an AP class is supposed to somewhat equate to, is generally four to five. Yep, accurate. Right. Gen mm -hmm. Sometimes even three, you can get away with that if you kind yep. of you know, load into the summer. But like, let's say three to five classes in general, right? At any given point. And so to ask a high schooler to take six APs or seven or eight or self-studied for whatever X amount, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I just have to say it. And, and I'm going to say last thing, last thing here on this one before I'd like to hear your thoughts, Tushar, is, is the funniest part is anytime a student says, oh, yeah, I'm going to take two, I'm going to self-study for two APs, 99% of the time, they don't end up taking them. Or they take them and they don't get a five. Well, guess what, guys? If you don't get a five on the self-studied AP, probably not best, not good to report that. Because if you get a four, that's a B, a three is a C, and let's not talk about a two or less. <laughs> All right? So it's like there are so few students who actually even see that through. And then ready? The opportunity cost of doing that, you lose everything else that you could have been doing that would have actually made you look better, right? Because college will see self-studied APs. They're thinking this is the most contrived thing. You're just clearly trying to do this to look up for college. You're not actually genuinely trying to learn about that topic. I mean, you could have done that by just reading about it in 10 minutes through an academic journal for crying out loud. <laughs> I love that we keep talking about the opportunity cost because in my experience, that was the one thing that was not it's not covered. It really just seems sometimes that I can do this, 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 like eight different things. Mm. And I should be doing all of those things. But the reality is you can't do all of those things, especially not at the, you know, the level that you need to in mm. order to, you know, quote unquote, look good for college. Um, but even to get, you know, any sort of deep understanding or deep engagement in that activity. 
Um, and I know that's that's probably one of the biggest things that you know plagues our site right now is like I can do all of these things, but you can't, right? You have to pick and you have to be generous with your time allocation. At the end of the day, like these are just juniors or seniors, um, you know, sophomores obviously too in high school taking all these classes. You have to, I mean, they're still kids, they're still growing up, they still got other things going on. Like we can't just keep piling all that stuff on them. So, so true. Opportunity cost has got to be, you know, the main factor in all of, of the three myths that we're talking about today. And how about mental health costs, man? Oh, yeah. I'm not even gonna get into that. That's a that's a whole another thing, beast that we'll have to slay in another episode. But talk about stress. I mean, that can lead to some dark stuff, right? Um, and I'm sure no one here is a um, stranger to those kinds of stories we've heard all over the Bay Area and any affluent neighborhood, to be honest, right? Um, okay, final myth of the day. Let's slay it. Colleges require two SAT subject tests. I kind of want to laugh out loud about this one because guess what? I'm sure everyone here has already heard. As of January 2021, College Board has officially canceled all subject tests. For now, they can come back and make that change again and say, hey, by the way, we're reopening that. But for now, they're gone. So guess what? Everybody who ever was worried about this, you're fine. Don't worry about it anymore. Um, and the truth is, it's, it was a myth to worry about in the first place because colleges don't require SAT subject tests. There's, and, and I'm gonna contradict myself by saying there's only one that I've ever known, at least in recent years, like AKA five to 10 years, that has required, that's Georgetown. That is the only school, it's the only school. And I always found that to be quite pretentious. But you know, now and before that, no other schools required it. So every time I hear parents say that or students say that, and then I say, actually, no, they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, why don't you Google search the website of the university that you're talking about? And they're such and I'm like, oh, where did these myths originate in the first place? Too sure. Where do these myths come from, man? Just the incessant competition where, you know, number we've, I think it comes from the fact that people don't understand that the review process is holistic. So the only thing they can quantify and to measure against other people are numbers. And all of these things that we're talking about give you numbers as results, right? I mean, we tackled the whole volunteer service hours thing last time, but that's, it's, you know, it's part of the same problem that it's all comes down to numbers, but guys, it's a holistic review process. It's so much more than numbers. You have to think about this as if, you know, we're humans and people not as, math formulas, right? So that's where it's coming from. And I know some people might be like, why are they still talking about subject tests? They already said it. <laughs> they're gonna bring back something else eventually. Yeah, they will. They've already <laughs> said that, that they're working on coming up with a replacement. Whatever yeah. the replacement is, it's gonna be under, you know, the same myths are gonna start over and they're gonna, and what we're saying is still gonna apply to them later, right? They don't, you don't need to have them. They're not required. Um, the whole idea is you're just trying to show what you're interested in. You don't need to take ones that, you know, don't mean anything to you or aren't part of what you're interested in at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess, I guess the interesting common denominator for all these myths is that there's this baseline assumption, right? Like for, listen to them one more time. Let me just read them out loud, right? Take more weighted courses. Looks good. It's important to self-study and take APs. You know, it's important to take at least two SAT subject tests, right? The underlying assumption is that your student will do all that and then 
get A's, get mm -hmm. 780s or 800s. 800, right? yep. Get 4.0s. Guys, parents, students, one, you are not machines. <laughs> Two, it is frankly almost impossible for you to accomplish all of that and really well in each of those categories, okay? Let's be real, stop comparing yourself with your niece, your nephew, or stop, sorry, your student with your niece or your nephew. Stop comparing yourself with your, your classmates or your best friend. Whoever your student is or whoever you are as a student, you're one unique individual. You need to be honest with yourself. Number one, what can you do within your own capacities, right? And do well. That's your limit. You draw that. If you want to improve your limitations and, and, and improve your capacities, well, that's a different story. But take only what you can ultimately get A pluses in and the highest possible scores in. Anything, if you take anything more, if that jeopardizes those scores, then don't take it. Right. So I think it's the underlying assumption that, okay, we need to do all these things, but everyone doesn't talk about you need to do well, really well in anything to make it even worthy of reporting on an application. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's an underlying assumption that no one really talks about. So let's talk more about that, right? In fact, I encourage all parents and students to ask themselves this, which is, okay, if you did this, would you get all A's? If you did this, will you get an 800? And if the answer is no or a hesitation, how about this? Take a big step back, <laughs> reduce the request, <laughs> Okay, and how about start with a simpler question? How about what are you interested in? Right? How about not what APs are you going to take next year? How about start with a much more human question? What are you interested in? I guarantee you guys that'll make much better conversations and it'll make for much better college results because you'll have better grades, better everything. And the student will have less stress and be more happy. So that's my take on all this stuff. I think we need to stop spreading these myths because they're one, not factually true. It baffles me how many masters and PhDs we have, right? I'm just gonna call everyone out here, right? They make data-driven decisions. I worked at Google, I know what that's like. Yet this isn't data-driven at all. <laughs> this, these aren't even factual. This is almost as bad as Donald Trump spewing just, what do they call, you know, different alternative facts, I think is what they call them. Let's stop this, guys. This is, it's creating the toxic culture. It's making our high schooler lives, high schoolers' lives miserable, and it's killing their, sh their chances at the best colleges. Um, that's my verdict <laughs> on today's podcast. Yeah. Tushar, any final thoughts? I think you summed it up perfectly. I think we all just need to do better as a community to, you know, stick to the facts and, you know, encourage our students and stop applying so much pressure and mm. just let them, you know, blossom as they will. <laughs> I don't need to say it any more than that. Thank you, Tushar. <laughs> well, very welcome. Well, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their weekend. Uh, found this somewhat insightful. If you want to get into a, a continued debate about this topic, feel free. I'd love to do it over some coffee, over some a meeting, whatever it is. Feel free to schedule us anytime. RadioEdgeGo.com anytime, obviously. But hey, guys, hope to see you guys next in the next episode. Drop a like, a subscribe, a comment, anything to really help this channel. We really appreciate the support. Until the next time, guys, take care. Stay safe, y'all. You guys, bye. <laughs>